This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. I want to wish all the mothers out there a belated happy Mother's Day and a belated happy you have a Mother's Day for those of you who are not mothers. Uh, that would be Tony and I are not mothers. So belated happy having a mother day. Uh, I wanted to bring us together, Tony, because nothing's happened since we last spoke, and it's been a couple of weeks, um, both both been very busy. Uh, but I want to touch on the leaked uh, draft opinion from the Supreme Court, and we'll touch on the, what it's about, but I want to touch on the leak and and just get your thoughts on that and where you think it might have come from. So if well, I want to hear, I want to hear your, your thoughts on where. Well, okay. So I, the first, but by thing, the way, I'm assuming that most people are going to know what we're talking about. Right? Well, I'll, I'll define it. So every time there's an opinion at the Supreme court, they circulate opinions amongst the justices and they get somebody to sign off or sign on to it. So they, they can say, okay, this is the number of people who agreed with this opinion as it's written. And then once they come to a consensus, this is what it's going to be. Finally, they release it to the public and it's not official until it's released to the public. So understand that whatever you will we'll talk about in a second, but nothing that's come out is official. Now it might be leaning a certain direction, but there's, there's rumor that the Supreme court justices might change their opinion right up until it's released. Like the day before they might say, you know what? I want to go with that one. And I think that's a better assessment of the law in this going on. Apparently well, I, would I, was say, I would say when you say that's a rumor, I don't know whether that's, that's, very, that's very unlikely because typically what's going on uh, and the, the opinion that was leaked is purported to be the majority opinion, yes. meaning it represents at least five justices and that's being written by Sam Alito. Mm -hmm. There are other justices who are presumably not in the majority who are working on various dissents. Mm -hmm. And then there's, there can be concurring opinions where uh, uh, a justice will say, I agree with the result, uh, but I write separate and I concur, but I write separately on certain issues. So my only point is, is that there's a limit to how late in the game you're sure. going to change your position because most of them are writing something in defense of their position, not always, for instance, um, you know, they, if you're part of the majority and you don't feel that you need to write some sort of concurrence to, uh, either isolate or discuss in more detail certain issues, but generally they're in a, on a, particularly on an issue like this, mm -hmm. they're all going to be writing something. Sure. So it's not going <laughs> to be the day before where they say, Hey, you know what? I'm changing my mind. I'm, 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 I'm flipping. Well, it's a, so maybe we shouldn't say they change your mind, although that could happen on any case. Um, more than likely in, in this case, certainly I'm sure each of the nine justices has written their feelings on the topic based on case law that they reviewed and they've written something. Now they may sign on to the majority and not hand in something else. They may say, well, I think as Tony said, they may have something else they want to clarify from their perspective, uh, which may be an agreement or disagreement with whatever. Uh, typically Tony, I don't know how many concurrences or dissenting options. Could it be nine? Could you have nine different things, but the you majority could. went with one you direction? You could theoretically have a majority that has five concurring in the result, right? but every other judge 
that concurred with the result writing separately because they want to parse a certain aspect of the court's analysis on, you know, a variety of, of different issues. And then you could have four separate dissenting opinions. Okay. So you could, I don't think that typically happens. It's usually, no, maybe, that's pretty rare. Yeah. I mean, in this case, it might be the case. I don't know. Uh, so this was leaked to Politico, which we've discussed Politico in the past. It's not a, uh, conservative-leaning uh, report uh, in any shape, way, shape, or form. So it got leaked last week, and it's put people in uproar, both sides, probably more so on the the um, proponents of Roe versus Wade than the opponents. But uh, it purports with this draft, if it is released as a final, uh, it would overtone Roe versus Wade and Casey versus um, was it Casey versus Pennsylvania? Planned Parenthood. Um, so this would overturn that rule. So we'll talk about that in a second, what all that may or may not mean and, and, and scream down at the people who do not understand what they're saying, because most of the people you've seen on TV do not understand basic case law or understand how laws work. So again, this is not a law. This is in a ruling by the court. This was never passed or codified into a law. This is just an opinion from 1973. I believe when when it first came out, my first inclination was, okay, somebody on some law clerk, I I hesitate to think it was a justice, although I'm not totally sure now that I don't believe it could have been a justice, maybe Justice Sotomayor, just an example. I don't know that. But somebody leaked this draft. And again, it's 12 justice, 12 clerks on the four dissenting judges so it should be a fairly small pool of people i think they they know what the copies are going around so it really i would have thought by now we would know but maybe we'll never know they'll just blackball this person whoever it is but then i saw something over the weekend and i don't want to give a lot of credence to this because i don't i don't understand why this would happen uh but there was a report over the weekend that maybe and this is probably floated by the liberal press Maybe the conservative justices leaked it and or their clerks. Are, are you talking about Nina Totenberg? I'm referring to her, yes. And I think that is highly specious at best. And I do not believe there's – why would you leak this if you're going to get what you want? Unless you're trying – and I don't, I don't believe this. I think the judges – the justices that signed off on this would be the ones we would expect to have signed off on this. And I don't know why you would have to hem them in and try to – nail them down. I think that's to me, the, the part that I'm like, ah, it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense why they did. It makes a whole lot more sense for the liberal side of the court and their people to have leaked this. And again, this is unprecedented in the history of the Supreme court. I don't, I don't know if there's been a, a leak on a, on a case ever. I mean, grand juries seem to get leaked all the time, but I, I don't know that this no, ever. Happened. I don't think. I don't think there's ever been a leak like this in the history no, of, of the court. No. So I, I think it came from the liberal side. I think it was to cause what we're seeing, and we'll discuss that a little bit later too. But do you think it came from the liberal side? Do you think it came from somewhere else? What do you think? I mean, obviously, at this point, it's pure speculation. But you made the correct observation, which is the Occam's razor explanation for this is, of course, the most likely scenario is that someone who is opposed to this outcome 
leaked this decision. And the people on the court who are opposed to this are obviously, uh, you know, the three quote unquote liberal justices, mm-hmm. Kagan, Sotomayor, Breyer, and their clerks. And I suspect, uh, just in terms of who's also going to be opposed to this is probably Roberts. Yeah. And then if you go through that list, um, there's no way that Roberts leaked this, uh, in my view, there's no way that Breyer would have leaked this. Uh, even though Breyer's a very liberal guy. I mean, you're just sort of evaluating who are the people that are the most, um, the most openly political, mm-hmm. ideological, Alinskyite sort of in their thinking. <laughs> and and that, the, the logical, even though th- we have no proof of this and we may be completely wrong, but if you're going to, you know, do sort of an FBI investigation, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, the prime suspect would be Sotomayor and or one of her clerks yep. because that's the way that they view the world. Sotomayor views judging as simply an exercise in wielding uh, political power as a policymaker. And she's also the most radically left until the until we get the new three-name lady that's joining the court who's not a biologist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, from that standpoint, and, and again, why would it uh, – so Totenberg's uh, goofy argument or, or supposition uh, was, well, the conservative – some conservative justice leaked it or clerk because they want to make sure that Kavanaugh, who is the uh, – you know, essentially the swing vote, uh, this assumes, of course, that Roberts is already voting for the four dissenters. Sure. Uh, that they want to make sure that Kavanaugh stays in line, and by leaking it, it makes it very difficult for him now to switch sides, as it were, uh, at the time of the draft, because he's the most vulnerable and potentially subject to influence. And so this is sort of one of those, well, now that it's been leaked, you can't possibly... I mean, there's all... I mean, good grief. I mean, that, that's a lot of... Uh, no, that's a very tortured scenario as opposed to you have an activist justice who in all of her writings and all of her public pronouncements on the bench would clearly think this is a disaster. And what does this do? This theoretically puts pressure on the justice who, like Kavanaugh, who might be voting for this. And more importantly, if you're a essentially a democratic activist, uh, you want political pressure, you want you want blowback political blowback at the voting level, uh, particularly given that the Democratic Party right now uh, under the uh, wise and statesmanlike stewardship of Joe Biden uh, is, you know, it's the Hindenburg disaster on mm-hmm. all fronts. So maybe we shift the public's focus into a lot of people screaming about back alley abortions and all the other insanity that they've been spewing this week. See how many lemmings we can convince to rush to the polls. And so, yeah, um, there's there is simply no reason to believe logically that this would have come from a conservative justice or clerk. Okay. So my feeling on the leaker, whoever it is, should be disbarred immediately. And if it was a justice, they should be impeached immediately. This Correct. Cannot be allowed to happen. This cannot be the, the norm. We talk about norms all the time. The, the Democratic Party likes to talk about the Republicans changing norms. And it always seems to be the Democrats who are changing the norm, yet they point at somebody else's changing norm. Uh, so this is a norm that has held since the beginning of the, the country, and now it's been not the norm. Now it's open. Uh, but if this person 
holds a job after this investigation. And don't tell me you oh, can't they will find not it. Only, well, so here's the, here's the point. Um, if they ever find out who this person is, and I'm not convinced that they will, because number one, I'm not convinced that they're actually trying all that hard well, the, to find yeah. out who this person is. You know, the yeah. marshal of the court uh, is conducting an investigation. Okay. That sounds yep. a little bit like Inspector Clouseau to me. Um, and <laughs> let, I mean, let's be let's be honest. Whoever it was, if it's somebody that was on the court, even a clerk who did this, mm-hmm. you can guarantee that this per- – first of all, these people are all very smart. Guarantee <laughs> that the tradecraft of this was carefully vetted with people that know how to do this. Mm-hmm. I would suspect that the last thing that they would have done, unless they're just really stupid, is to do this electronically at all. Sure. Because that's where there's going to be some footprint. I don't care where you ultimately sent it from. Of course, you're not going to send it from your work computer. But ultimately, there's going to be a digital trail. The smart way to do this, at a minimum, is to print out a physical copy and then literally exchange it by hand, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, you know, in Central Park on a bench with somebody so that Mm -hmm. there's no trace whatsoever of this because you again people are very good chad knows more about this than i do forensically of tracking Uh any sort of digital information so do i think this person is even going to be caught i'm i'm skeptical but if they are you know exactly what's going to happen yeah they'll probably be disbarred they won't be disbarred in certain states new york california and i they are and you could see this already when you read what's being written, the justifications for this, they're mm-hmm. a hero. I joke with my friends. I call it a, they're the hero. They're one of the heroes of the faith. Now yes. they have, they have, you know, bravely and courageously prevented <laughs> Armageddon and they will have a highly compensated job, perhaps not at a law firm. They will be somewhere in academia chairing some racist grievance studies department or whatever else that they want. They won't have to pay for a drink ever again in any Mm -hmm. blue enclave in which they live. They are being lauded for this. And Mm -hmm. your point, Chad, is because the norms are meaningless to these people. Sure. All they care about is we want to avert an outcome that we don't like you know, democratic norms, who cares? Supreme Court trust, confidence in the institution, that doesn't matter at all. All we need is to figure out a way to prevent this from happening. And that's what they're doing. And, and that is all they're trying to do, and they don't care what the outcome is. So I, I want to dispel, and we've talked about this before, dispel what overturning Roe versus Wade actually means. So if Roe versus Wade is overturned and Casey versus Planned Parenthood is overturned, meaning they go back to pre-1973 laws, uh, the places where you could still get an abortion statewide will still apply, and the places where you couldn't will also apply. It will be up to the voters of each state as to whether or not they allow abortion in their state. California, New York, not an issue. They will remain free and open. I love hearing... Uh, the mayor of New York talking about how he's he's appalled by this, except you can go anywhere in his state and get an abortion. It won't change no matter what this ruling is. So when you hear people say it's going to remove the ability to get an abortion from this country, that's a lie. That is not the truth. Um, it's going to restrict where you can get it, but it's not going to remove the ability to get it. So am I wrong on that in any way, shape, or form? Tony? No, and in fact, the only thing I would add, which of course never gets mentioned— uh, is that even under the Roe Casey regime, mm-hmm. there 
so because the court invented this right of privacy, which gave rise to this imaginary right to abortion within the penumbras, et cetera, there were within that analysis uh, limitations mm-hmm. that were built into the right to abortion. In fact, interestingly, most people don't realize this, that even in Harry Blackman's opinion, his opinion in Roe, he talks about the fact that there would be times when the state's interest in limiting abortion would preclude it. He talks about, you know, a sort of a third trimester kind of scenario. Now, the so the interesting thing is, in blue states like New York and California and Illinois, there is going to be an even more radical, completely open, unlimited ability for women in those states once it goes back to the voters because, you know, mm-hmm. the Democrats control the, the machinery of voting there. They, they have, they control the legislature, right? Mm-hmm. There will be no restrictions whatsoever. Okay. So in other right. words, even in a blue state right now, you potentially uh, are facing some restrictions on a third trimester, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they've been watered down to the point of almost meaninglessness. But so in other words, if you are someone that is, is pro-abortion, and you live in one of those states, you're going to have even more ability with zero restrictions likely right. Uh, right. To, to do that. No one ever mentions anything like that in their analysis and their because, again, they're not interested in having people understand this. They want to fom- foment hysteria and, right. and outrage and, and all of this. But otherwise, you're absolutely correct. We're going back to a pre-row state of affairs. And, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think the split was – I think there was at least 26, there was 26 states maybe that had, that permitted it. Um, and then the, you know, whatever the additional number would be 24, um, that did not, or vice versa. I mean, it was yeah. almost a 50, 50 split and you can sort of guess which states went which way and uh-huh. that will still pertain. Yes, it will. So I've been told by a constitutional scholar and former president that 70% of Americans support maintaining Roe versus Wade. And I have two points on that. One, I don't know that 70% of Americans know what Roe versus Wade actually means. I think they know what they've been told, which is obviously not the truth. And the second part is, I don't care what opinion polls mean. Constitutionality has nothing to do with what the popular opinion is. So, the fact that this constitutional scholar who also won the presidency twice seems to think polls are somehow relevant to Supreme Court decisions. Now, in yeah. his world, they are. Well, the interesting thing about that, so his comment goes exactly to what I just said, which is, well, Mr. Constitutional Scholar, then you seem incredibly confident that you'll be vindicated by the American people who, according sure. to you— overwhelmingly support Roe v. Wade. And so when it goes back to the democratic process via the ballot box, you'll have no issues, will you? And in fact, (laughs) the people who are your core constituency who live in the blue states who really, really like Roe v. Wade, it's going to be even better for them because there's not going to be any of those pesky limitations that might be built in as a result of some sort of compromise, some sort of limitation on your holy sacrament of abortion. So I don't even understand what point he thinks he's making. Then why is it such a disaster, Mr. Obama, if the court hands this back to the American people who you claim are overwhelmingly in favor of this? Then guess what? I guess they'll vote with their feet, won't they? I think you're right. Well, I I point that out because he's the most prominent 
but I've heard that statistic, 68, 69, 70% of Americans, f- numerous places over the last week, just thrown it out there as though popular opinion has any bearing on constitutionality. That's the, that's the crazy part to me, that they trot this out because they must assume every American is a moron, that they couldn't possibly understand that popularity contests are not how constitutional uh, constitutionality is determined. But, no, but, that's but Chad, here's pushing. the thing. It's not that. I mean, yes, they do think that most people that they talk to are stupid, but including their own voters, most especially. Mm-hmm. But remember, for them, constitutionality means exactly that. It's merely a competing set of policy preferences. It has nothing to do with whether or not the document which governs this says or doesn't say, grants or does not grant certain rights. It's merely, well, lots of people think this is a good idea, so we should have it. That's exactly their view of how the Constitution, quote-unquote, is supposed to work. It's merely... Uh, a majoritarian power struggle. And of course, the other flip side of this for them is, well, you know, when they don't have the majority, then the screaming minority has to get their way in <laughs> yes. any event. So yes. you, it's not so much that they don't understand it is they just don't care. All yes. they care about is we want this. We did a poll. And so this now has to be enacted. What we think is good must happen. And they don't like the idea that other people get to have a say in all of their cherished activist crusades on all of these issues. Um, You know, the other point I wanted to make about this in terms of, you know, what Obama is saying is what they never mention, and this has been true for quite some time, is when you drill down and start asking people, including Democrats, do you think there should be some limitations on second trimester and on third trimester? And as you get further along, the percentages go way high. I mean, I think I think on a third trimester question, you're at like 70 or 80 percent of people who say there should be limitations on that. Now, remember, Chad, under Bill Clinton, the Democratic Party's platform used to be before every you know their entire world went off the rails and they became lunatics um, is that safe, legal and rare. Right. That was the maximum. That was the. Okay, and look, I didn't agree with that, but at least that's something that the average person could relate to who didn't have strong feelings one way or another. Okay, safe, legal, and rare. That sounds okay. Remember, their platform right now is they will accept no restriction whatsoever at Mm -hmm. any stage of pregnancy, meaning, and they will not answer this question, if you ask them, and Rand Paul asked this question memorably, I think a couple years ago, I forget who he was asking. He said to someone, you know, some Democrat illuminary who was said, do you think there should be any restriction on a woman, a woman's ability to abort a nine pound baby, you know, who is full term? They won't answer that question because their answer is no. We don't think there's any circumstance under which that should be prevented. That is so far out of line with any quote-unquote, mainstream public opinion that the people who are incredibly radical right now is is clearly the Democratic Party. They are right. so far out of step with even non-religious, non-Republican voters on these issues, but you'll never know that by how they present it in the media. No, they won't. Uh, one of our, well, a non-friend friend of the show uh, takes on the, now, I haven't read this blog in months and I just wanted to see what this guy's opinion was, and I was not shocked to find that he's still down the same well 
uh, he claims that people are saying abortion isn't deeply rooted in American history. And he cites a book that Benjamin Franklin edited in 1748 showing an at-home abortion, and it was not outrageous, and nobody complained about it. That, that was his, that's his deeply rooted theory. Well, his um, other, you know, his other usual uh, shtick on this, and, and this mimics a lot of other people, is the, is this tedious claim about, well, it's two things. It's the first one is, well, I don't think, uh, you know, reversing or eliminating Roe v. Wade is going to actually lessen the number of abortions. Yes. Yes. Um, first of all, that that's a highly disputed claim, but number two, it's beside the point, which is, Whatever the ultimate policy implications are here, and, and this is interesting coming from a Christian, right? Abortion is a moral abomination. Mm-hmm. So you would think that someone who's a Christian would be, and, and, he, and I've made this point before, mm-hmm. is that everything that he writes related to the things that he opposes, which the main, main thing is anything having to do with Donald Trump, there is this level of moral outrage about uh, all of these things that are wicked and sinful and the mean tweets and the poor character, whatever. And he's entitled to, to point those things out. But the minute that you start talking about an issue which is clearly, clearly a moral question, right? Should a society tolerate this, particularly for someone who's a Christian, to, to grapple with that there's no more outrage. There's no more even discussion on the level of morality. It all becomes this very uh, vanilla, anodyne discussion of tactics and outcomes, right? There, we're not even going to have the conversation about whether this is a disgrace and a national sin. Um, we, we won't talk about that because guess what? He doesn't want to have that conversation. No, and I'm going to take people back in the Wayback Machine to November of 2020, prior to the election. Um, And this gentleman wrote a piece on his blog um, talking about how, and I I didn't understand the machinations at that time, how Joe Biden would reduce abortions or there would be less abortions because of his policies than there would be under Donald Trump because Biden is a good Catholic and doesn't believe in a abortion except <laughs> that's not even remotely true uh well maybe maybe i don't know he may be in lockstep with the current pope who knows i don't well, think the that, current pope is actually catholic and that may be the case but i said at the time i said i can't believe a christian is writing this with a straight face this has to be satire you can't be serious when you're writing this i i checked his blog this week and last week because i wanted to see if he'd come around and say well you know i, I said that but it's definitely too bad. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen him step back from that precipice because I believe he, I don't know what he believes. Well, what he keeps no, saying is you, he doesn't seem to have a problem. You may have missed it because there was one unintentionally hilarious blog post where, and I, I forget exactly how he phrased it, but the tenor of it was, Hey, you know what? I'm starting to maybe not believe Joe Biden's <laughs> shtick about being a good Catholic. It's kind of one of those, you know, really? I'm starting to think there might be gambling going on here. Um, amazing. <laughs> like really you've, you've had an epiphany that Joe's uh, you know, his claims about I'm opposed to this might not hold water. When did you discover, when was this epiphany? <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that's where I'm struggling because I'm, I'm like, you, 
Joe Biden has flip-flopped with the wind, and in 73, he was opposed to Roe versus Wade. You hear him today, and he, again, he wants HHS to enforce something uh, that they have no power to do, apparently, but he's going to do it anyway because he doesn't care about the Constitution, doesn't care about the laws. He's he's done that numerous times. So this is just one more attempt to do whatever I feel like. Well, did you catch his, you know, again, his typically incoherent gibberish about, oh, you know, we're not going to have these local whatever you call them, like local NEs. Oh, you mean the states, Joe? Yes. The, we're, we're not going to allow these decisions to be made by the, uh, uh, you know, the vassals in these local entities. Oh, okay, yes. Joe. I, I get it. Um, and here's the other, here's the other point to be made, which is, which is hilarious is of course, what do you hear now? You know, everyone's getting their, their out of the closet, their handmaid's tail, red mm-hmm. dresses and milkmaid bonnets, because it's now the creeping, the creeping night of fascism. Right. But here's the yeah. point. So you're, so the, their, their definition now of fascism is a court. If this decision uh, becomes the actual published decision of this court, mm-hmm. that the court is saying, you know what? This was not the business uh, of nine justices to decree, nine unelected individuals to decree for the entire nation what is going to be in terms of the legality of abortion. And so what we are doing is we are giving this back to the American people and the people of the 50 states uh, to decide on their own, as they did before, we snatched it away from them because, you know, Harry Blackman was a philosopher king and he knew, he knew best. And somehow this abdication of authority by the court and saying the democratic process will now control this, that's the definition of fascism. Mm-hmm. That's a curious definition, Chad. Well, it, it, it bends to the whatever their will needs to be at the time. Now, you're going to hear if this becomes a final ruling, you're going to hear about uh, it's going to affect black and brown people, um, low income disproportionately because everything seems to, uh, and it's going to kill women forgetting the 62 million babies who've been killed because of this. And how many of those babies are black? I'm going to guess a vast, (laughs) vast percentage. Yeah, we we don't we don't care about the disproportionate effect on black people when it's their babies who are being killed. Now we care, you know, again, under the under the claim, the specious and completely false claim that they won't be able to get an abortion if they really want one because, Mm. well, they don't explain that just because. Yes. Just won't be able to get one. Yeah. Well, and and remember. And the Babylon Bee had it perfect this week. There's one way to avoid needing an abortion. Don't have sex. See? Done. Well, you will not get pregnant if you, you do actually not have see, sex. And this is true. Is there already members of the woke corporate elite yeah. who are now saying uh, they will pay? Mm-hmm. They will pay to Uber or perhaps Chopper or who knows? Let them use the Gulf Stream to any woman who's an employee uh, to get where they need to be to have their abortion. Now, this is brilliant, though, Chad, because when you think about it, from a bottom-line policy, now they're going to get all of these plaudits because, oh, they're woke. Yes, they're supporting our right to abort. But you know what? It is an easy decision for a company to say, wait a minute. 
So you mean we'll pay some small amount of money to have these women go and what does that eliminate, Chad? Time off from work, yes. maternity care. This yeah. is a fantastic bean counter exercise in weighing the bottom line here. And they get all the credit for being, you know, part of the crusade, right? That's uh -huh. just genius. Well, and they are part of the crusade. You're, you're talking about Amazon. I've seen some other companies, but Amazon's the one that pops to mind. They are genius because they, they are woke. Uh, Jeff Bezos's company is, well, it's not his anymore, but he's woke. Uh, but you're right. It, it eliminates an issue. Turns out to be quite profitable, Chad. Sure. It's amazing well, how those, those tend to go together. Well, it, it, it dovetails to me as to the fact that you constantly hear about women making less than men. 77 cents, 68 cents, whatever the number is you want throughout the day. But why don't we just, why don't every company just hire a woman? If it costs less, right. we hire only women because it costs less. So obviously there's more to it than. Well, any, gender. you know, and we, you know, this has been debunked uh, to high heaven. Sure. Any study that compares apples to apples on the mythical, you know, mm -hmm. wage gap has concluded that the reason that those numbers don't always match up is not because you have a bunch of sexist employers running around saying, you know what, um, you there who should be in the kitchen, even <laughs> though you're equally competent with this other vice president, we're going to pay you 40% of his salary. It's because there are other variables, including the fact that women, I, I'm not sure if I can say that because I'm not a biologist, but <laughs> women have who are sometimes in the home, who have sometimes, for instance, made different career choices, who typically have had time off work. When you adjust for all of those factors, and then including the industries in which men tend to, to proliferate more than women, all of that wage gap disappears. Because mm -hmm. again, does anyone honestly believe, see, th this is the thing that I come back to, your point about, do they think we're stupid? Yes, they do. You think that in modern America, in the corporate world that a bunch of mustache twirling robber baron sexist patriarchs are going to be able to say to any of their employees listen here's the pay for the men our boys here's the lower pay lower benefits for the equally talented equally competent women don't tell anybody let's just keep this rolling along yeah. that is a fantasy it is a fantasy concocted by people who need to pretend that they're constantly being oppressed and have grievances because otherwise they can't gin up the outrage that they need to get people to the polls. Yeah, it, it's it's silly on its face. And uh, you, you often will hear statistics cited without any reference as to where they came from. Uh, if I throw out a number, where did it come from? Did I make it up out of thin air? Do I actually have support? And is the is the reference legitimate or is it some other, you know, load of garbage that was spewed onto a piece of paper uh, by some grad student somewhere trying to get a gender study degree? I, you, you can't, you got to look at what they're doing. And we've, we've gone through studies before and debunked some of the things they put in there that are spurious at best. That argument also reminds me, again, to take just another example, it's sort of the flip side. You know, So now you hear the people trying to explain away the high gas prices, because of course it can't possibly be the fault of this administration for choking in the crib all of our domestic production. But what they say is the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, right? These demagogues saying, you know, it's the obscene profits of the oil companies. And what I always want to ask is, so why aren't they doing this all the time? Like yeah. if they could sell gas at five and six dollars a gallon, why were we at two fifty a year and a half ago? 
I mean, they, I guess that was the time that they weren't really greedy, but now they're really yes. super greedy again. Yeah. I, that, well, it, it's totally complete, different. complete nonsense. Well, that, that would require you to use your brain and they're just a hoping you don't. You'll just listen to their soundbite and say, well, Elizabeth Warren, she's been right on economic policy. Never. Bernie Sanders hasn't gotten an economic policy right that ever in your life. So we should trust them because they, they just know haven't stuff. been properly implemented, Chad. That, that's well, yeah, the, issue. That's the, the great communist lie. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about the, well, basically the, the doxing of the Supreme Court justices by the liberal mobs. And now you brought up earlier, the FBI, FBI should be investigating something. I don't trust the FBI to investigate. No, well, I was going to say I don't trust them to investigate anything either. Don't have the FBI do anything. Uh, they're, they're, they'll 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 mail it in at best, and they will come up with a bad conclusion at worst. Uh, but there is protesting going on at the homes of these Supreme Court justices about a draft. This is not the final ruling, and I know a gentleman who's. Um, nephew lives two doors down from judge Gorsuch, justice Gorsuch. And he said, it's a nightmare because there's people everywhere and they're, he's afraid for his family because of this. So I, I know, I know what the answer is. There, nothing will happen to these people. There should lots well, of things already, should happen. Did, to did you know that that, that conduct is yes. already a federal crime? Yes. So Could in be a other state words, crime based on where they live, but yes, yes, it, it, no, exactly. But there, there is a federal statute that basically says if you're engaged in that activity with the intention of intimidating or pressuring, uh, and I don't know the exact language, basically like a sitting judge uh, mm -hmm. to alter, you know, a the judicial process. That's a crime. Now. Yep. Again, we can play what we always play. If we lived in a different universe where there was a bunch of MAGA hat wearing folks who were outside of, I don't know, let's say Anthony Kennedy's house and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's house when Obergefell had been decided. Yes. Do you think the media and Jen Psaki and all the rest of these people would be excusing this as well? You know, we nope. always support peaceful protests nope. by our mobs. Are you nope. kidding? Merrick Garland or whoever, Holder, or they would be sicking the DOJ on these people. There would be SWAT-style raids and tasering mm -hmm. and rubber bullets, and these people would be whisked off to Gitmo, yep. right, to be prosecuted yep. and probably to rot in jail for the rest of their life. So this is yet another example of why people are so enraged when they view these double standards. And it is, I'm frankly, look, Joe Biden's presidency is, you know, a dumpster fire hurtling into the sun. But this is beyond disgraceful, mm -hmm. beyond despicable. They, they have been asked multiple times. Given the opportunity to say, we denounce this. You should not have mobs, whether, whether quote unquote peaceful or not, outside the homes of Supreme Court justices in an effort to politically intimidate them. And this White House refuses to condemn that behavior because they want it to happen. Yep. yep. This is well, what Biden say the other uh, the other time when he was talking about um I think it was when someone had accosted some activist was accosting a Republican legislator in an elevator or something. And Biden was sort of like, that's the process now. And he, you know what? He was telling the truth. This is the process for the left in this country, which is if they don't get their way to your point about norms, there are no norms. We don't get our way. We burn it down, right? We will show up in your house. 
We will dox you. We will attempt to have you fired. We will intimidate you. And, and we will engage in looting and violence. And I don't want to hear the pushback to say, oh, that's only a fringe. Well, first of all, that fringe over the course of basically a year and a half after George Floyd caused mm-hmm. more than $2 billion, billion, with a B, dollars in damage. 30 people died, 14,000 arrests. This was a nationwide riot. Yeah. Did you hear anyone? on the leadership of the Democratic Party condemning this in any meaningful way? Did our friend have the time to write a single word about this to say, this is a disgrace? No, no. This is the tactics that they have adopted. This is what they will continue to do. And if, if this opinion is made a formally published opinion, the rioting and the unrest and the quote-unquote peaceful protest will ratchet up again because this is what they do now. Let me let me take you back in the Wayback Machine. Just listen to this clip. And so, yes, I would like to see the bill in Congress pass on police reform. But I know that the right wing, the racists are opposed to it. And I don't know what's going to happen to it. But I know this. We've got to stay in the street and we've got to we've got to demand justice. As a black man, despite all of the efforts. I feel like nothing changes. And George Floyd is waking so many people up. Yeah, nothing has happened just you know, despite the rhetoric. Like what what needs to happen that's different this year than all the years before? We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict. And we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful, and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. It's coming from what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they they know that we need business. What do you think about this curfew tonight? So she's effectively calling for violence in the streets if she didn't get what she wanted. That was Sheena Turner from Beyond Thunderdome, right? <laughs> yes, it could have been. That was Maxine Waters, a, a sitting representative in the House of Representatives from California. And it was an earlier clip that I don't have with me, but basically she told, get in people's faces, get in, tell them they're not welcome here. If you see somebody from the Trump administration, restaurants, coffee stores, uh, gas, gas stations, let them know they are not welcome here. Intimidating the administration. Intimidating the jury. That To me... What she's talking about there, that's jury intimidation. Plain and simple. You give us a, a conviction of murder, which they got, but that's what she demanded they give her. That's what the people demanded. That is not an open uh, judiciary if, if you can be intimidated or threatened by violence. And, and that's a sitting representative. Nothing happens to her. Well, Nothing. Uh, Chuck Schumer calls for the weeping the whirl, whirlwind when uh, I believe Amy Coney Barrett was nominated. You're going to reap the whirlwind. He threatened the Supreme Court. He threatened the Trump administration. Nothing happened. 
I actually think I actually think he he specifically threatened Gorsuch and yeah. Uh, Kavanaugh. Yes, he did. Uh, um, but so my only point is that Maxine, the great uh, re, you know the great speaker that she is and thinker, her on, her views on that are not the minority among no. the Democratic leadership. Sadly, they're not at all. Uh, this is this is the this is what they want. This is how they are going to effectuate their policies, and they make they make no apologies for it. And of course, the minute that the uh, the worm turns, what they, again? What they don't realize, or they do realize, but they don't care, is they 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 always seem to assume that these tactics are never going to be used against them. Yeah. And when they are used against them. Then of course it becomes civil rights violations and oh, hate yeah. crimes and and the rise of the alt right terrorist army, uh, but everything that they're tearing down in pursuing their political ends is is inevitably going to boomerang on them, and so all the people that are claiming that they're worried about the foundations of American democracy, well th- they don't care at all. They're again they're willing to burn it all down if they don't get what they want. So. I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it here again because people might have heard this. If somebody uses, if a country uses the word democratic in their in their title, they are not. If somebody claims <laughs> they care about the Constitution, but their actions show they don't even know how to spell Constitution, they are not concerned about the Constitution. I think we, we, we get too caught up in, and I've said this before and about our friend and about other people, you get too caught up in the words and miss the actions. Now, Maxine Waters is advocating violence. She can say she kind of hedged. She's advocating violence. Chuck Schumer was advocating violence. But they're at, they didn't physically violate anybody. They didn't do it themselves. They just agitated a crowd, for which you impeached Donald Trump for agitating a crowd, which he did agitate the crowd. He didn't storm the Capitol. I contend I don't know that anybody actually stormed the Capitol. They might have stormed some rooms, but they did not storm into the building. Beside the point, he, advoc- he, he got them riled up and sent them on their way. So whatever that means, prosecute accordingly. Maxine Waters, Chuck Schumer, and many others have riled up the crowds, and there seems to be no repercussions for them at all. There doesn't. You're probably right. There probably will be no repercussions if we even find this leaker for their career. They'll find they'll get they'll land on their feet. They'll get a big payday. They'll be somewhere in academia as you probably stated. But there will not be repercussions. They will not be prosecuted most likely because they did it for the good. For the good of the people, the good of the order, the good of the faith. That's unfortunately where we reside. And I think too often I heard Ben Shapiro say this recently. We're on the other side of the aisle, the Republican aisle. We're too concerned about looking bad as though our opponents will play nice with us. Mitt Romney falls in this trap constantly. He thinks if he agrees with their fringe garbage that, well, they'll like me. They only like you when you're supporting them. As soon as you don't support them, they hate you again. So you can't win that game. You're never going to be supported on their side. Stop trying to garner their favor. You're not going to garner their favor. Stop. We, as a Republican group, whether you're Republican or not, if you're not a Democrat, you're constantly trying to play nice. And I don't think politics are nice. Now, I'm not saying as a Christian, that's the behavior you want to mirror. But from a political standpoint, I don't know that playing nice gets you anything or the, other than kicked in the head. I feel like Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. 
every time you said, oh, go ahead and kick it, Charlie Brown, go ahead and kick it. And every time they pull it away because they have no intention of letting you ever kick the football. They just tempt you. Every, and you think, oh, maybe this time, maybe this time. Stop thinking that. They are never going to like you. They are never going to agree with you. There is no bipartisanship in this country anymore. If there was, if there ever was, I don't believe there still is. There is no bipartisanship. No. There are people who are politically motivated to get what they want, and maybe that works on both sides. Well, that's why it kind of makes me laugh, because one of the things that I had read um, in this sort of chin-stroking piece by, I forget who wrote it, but it was, well, you know... If, if the, you know, if the radical conservative majority does this, then, you know, the warning was when the Democrats get power, the shoes, and, and my reaction to that was no duh. Like no it is, it, 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 wait, it was still a question for you. The next time that the Democrats control the courts, they're not going to try to roll back every single decision that that's already baked into the cake. That's a given. Yes. And, but see, here's the, here's the other point is that, and this really annoys me is so you even have people that are purportedly, you know, Republican, conservative, or whatever, who are buying into this idea, well, that this decision is just about, you know, it's payback, it's ideological, which again demonstrates, look, you can disagree with this decision all you want, but mm -hmm. these, if you actually read what Alito is writing here and what Thomas has written and what Scalia has written and what Gorsuch has written in multiple opinions is this is a judicial philosophy that is not about outcomes per se. It's simply about, and it's consistently applied, even though it's applied slightly differently among the conserv the so-called conservative justices, which is this has been a, a travesty of constitutional analysis from the beginning. And it was never the court's business because it is simply not addressed in the document that we are interpreting. It doesn't matter whether we like it or we don't like it. We're going to allow, because we have a separation of powers in our government, the judiciary should not be stepping in and crafting rights out of whole cloth that don't exist. And yet people frame this. Of course, I understand why the left frames it this way, because it's beneficial to them to pretend that there's a bunch of wild-eyed, you know, fundamentalist Catholics on the court who want women to go back into the alleys. But it bothers me when I hear that sort of position accepted by people who should know better, which is, again, you can, if you don't like originalism, uh, if you want to critique that as a philosophy, if you think the Constitution is evolving, etc., that's fine. But this is not outcomes-based judging. This, that's what that's what openly someone like Sotomayor favors. Yeah. And the reason that she favors it is because she doesn't feel bound at all to the Constitution right. because it's a document that's irrelevant to her. It's antiquated. It was drafted by white slavers, et cetera, et cetera. And we now live in the shiny, happy new 21st century with evolving standards of decency. And because I'm a really wise Latina, I get to decide what those are and tell everyone else that they need to obey. That's her philosophy, and that's the philosophy of the left. But that is not the jurisprudence that actually is being implemented here. But nobody's going nobody's gonna to pay attention to that. It doesn't serve their political ends. No, it, it doesn't. And, you know, there's been this on the late night shows and on some of the Sunday morning shows, the discussion about, well, these these five justices should be impeached because they lied in their Senate confirmation hearings. And I didn't go back and listen to everything they said. They hedged on Roe versus Wade. Nobody ever, nobody ever answers that question right. uh, directly. So when they get asked, how are you going to rule? What do they always say? I can't give you a definitive answer about hypothetical question relating right. to how the court is going to rule. Right. They will say that 
all these people lied because they knew what they were going to do when they went in. Now, again, show me the lie, the actual lie, not your interpretation of what they said that makes it sound like they lied. Show the actual clips. And then aren't we supposed to think that Kenji Brown Jackson is a lying liar who lies because she doesn't know what a woman is, even though yeah, well, I mean, she, she apparently should recuse herself. She doesn't even have the baseline understanding of how. I mean, how could she rule in a sex discrimination case? She can't. She doesn't, she doesn't know what a woman is, so she's she's not qualified. She doesn't. She lacks the ability to even weigh in on those issues. I mean, it's ridiculous. Look, they they want to impeach anyone who does something that they don't like. Correct. So remove them, impeach them, just. Yeah. extinguish them from, from our existence because they have not agreed with our desired political outcomes. No. And, and I want to go back to when I said, impeach the justice. If one of these justices leaked it, I don't want that to be the norm that you just start impeaching justices. But I think it's, this is such a severe breach that if that happened and you could prove oh, it, that, that's absolutely should. worthy of impeaching them. They, 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 they can't, they can't sit on that court after no. having done that. No. So we're, we're going to wait and see what happens. I don't know if this will be the final ruling. I don't know if the opinion will stand as it was drafted, if it will change, if there will be concurrences. I, I don't know. So wait and see. I, I, I do believe that the longer Roberts lets this go on without re- issuing a final ruling, the more damage happens. But I don't think Roberts cares about that. I think he says he cares about that. I don't think he actually cares about that. I think he he just wants to keep everything moving along the way he wants it. And it's the cat's out of the bag. So if this is not the ruling and it comes out, let's say it comes out five four the other direction. Are, are people going to accept that now? Are oh no. I mean I actually think Roberts is now stuck. Yeah. Uh, Ro- and this is the irony of this. If, as we suspect, again, no proof of this, this mm-hmm. is just theorizing based on what I consider to be the most plausible scenario. But if, as we suspect, this, and we ever find out, this emanated from someone, either a clerk or a justice, I think it's more than likely it was a justice on sort of the, you know, the liberal wing of the court. If they had just la- let this, first of all, this would have been issued as a public a formal opinion in about a month, give right. or take. Right. And what would have been going on behind the scenes is guaranteed Chief Justice John Roberts trying to cajole, cajole Brett Kavanaugh to understanding why it would be an awful thing for the court to take this position, which will cause all sorts of ructions and convulsions, and we don't <laughs> want to be perceived as a political body, et cetera, et cetera. And so, and who knows? His, he may have won the day, but now, now that the court over which he presides has essentially been a victim of a public intimidation campaign, I don't think he can now do anything other than ensure that what was a 5-4 draft opinion stays exactly that. Because if, if there is anything that is going to implode forever – the so-called credibility and integrity of this court is if they then issue a decision that has flipped as a result of this pressure campaign. Well, first of all, the message that's sent is anytime this works, this is the Harry Reid maxim, right? Why did you yeah. lie about Mitt Romney's taxes? Well, he didn't get elected, did he? Uh, why did <laughs> yeah. you leak the opinion in complete violation of the your trust? Well, guess what? Roe didn't get overturned, did it? So this becomes then 
basically the operating manual going forward on anyone who is afraid they're going to get a decision they don't like. Just leak it and let the public pressure campaign intimidate enough justices into changing their mind. If John Roberts is actually concerned about the reputation of the court as a public institution, it seems to me there is now no way that he could do anything other than ensure that this vote goes forward exactly as it appeared on the draft opinion. I think the draft opinion has to remain as it was written too, or there's going to feel like there's intimidation and watering down. Because at that point you're going, well, okay, it's still five four, but we only ban Casey. Well, Bro- you know that. Okay, first of all, you know that Alito isn't going to change a word. He's so, not going to change it, but well, he he's gonna- writing it. So the well, only thing that's the only thing that's going to change is whether the signers on right. are no longer signing on. And the only person, in my view, th- this is all targeted at one guy. Do you think it's Kavanaugh for sure? You don't think it's Gorsuch too? No. No. Now, Gorsuch obviously kind of went a little crazy with the um, Bostic opinion, but, and he may have, like, I've read that opinion a couple times. I still don't understand his analysis. You're not going to get into it right now. But nevertheless, I think he's pretty solid. And I think Barrett is pretty solid. I think Kavanaugh is the guy. Kavanaugh is essentially the swing vote. That's why this is happening. And you would think, you know, again, that all of the hysteria, right? All of the slander and smears out of that circus Stalinist show trial that they held during his confirmation hearings with, you know, he's the Chevy Chase gang rapist and all this nonsense. You would think that that would have at least made Kavanaugh impervious to this. And maybe it has, right? He's on the court now. They can't touch him. And they tried to destroy him and not only him, but his family. Now, I'm not saying that a judge should be ruling out of some some sense of payback, right? But nevertheless, that's a human reaction, which is if you think that you're going to intimidate me into doing your bidding after I sat through Mm -hmm. your ridiculous show trial where you accused me of basically being a felon, Mm -hmm. um, a violent felon that should be in jail for the rest of my life. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to entertain this. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that's why this is happening. Well, I, I want, I want every justice and I know that's not reality, but I want every justice to put their emotions and their feelings aside and rule constitutionally. And Scalia, I didn't always agree with everything Scalia put down, but I do believe he was putting his feelings that he might've wanted certain outcomes, but he didn't write his opinions or vote in favor of an outcome simply because he wanted it. There had to be constitutional basis for it. And that's what I want from any justice, including Kavanaugh. I know he was mistreated horribly by the public and by the the Democratic Party, but I don't want him to, to your point, I don't want him to do that simply because, well, they want this, I'm going to go the opposite way. I hope he's not intimidated by, he's not intimidated by what's going on here. But I think it would be foolish to think it's not possible that some of these justices are going, wait a minute, I'm making a ruling. I knew it was a, it was a big deal, but they're threatening me. They're trying to harm my family. At what point do you say, is this really worth it? And, I mean, I, and maybe that's the other intimidation factor. It gets you to resign because you just don't want to deal with it. You don't want your family to deal with it. Maybe. I don't know what the end goal is other than to destroy these people. And that's what they've tried to to destroy these people and to destroy the institution as a functioning part of our democracy. Because again, uh, if we can't control it, we'll destroy it. I mean, that's what the court packing is about, right? 
Yeah, it's all um, as many on there as we can to get the votes we want to do whatever we want, and we get the rubber stamp. Basically, what so for people in the audience, the Democratic Party writ large wants to make the Supreme Court, in my opinion, effectively a FISA court. Very little evidence needs to be shown. You'll do whatever we ask you to do, and you'll rubber stamp it. That's what I consider a FISA court. I don't consider a FISA court actually litigating the issues and discussing the issues. They rubber stamp whatever the government brings to them almost all the time. And I think that's what the Democratic Party would like from the Supreme Court. That's what FDR wanted when he put out his new deal. He wanted the Supreme Court, and he threatened to pack it for that reason so he could get his new deal passed, even though it was unconstitutional. He didn't care. Just do it. Well, they they only want it to be a FISA court as long as there's a Democratic president and sure. legislature. Obviously, sure. it's going to have to be the most robust bulwark <laughs> against all perfidy and evil from Republicans when they control the levers of power. So it just it's you know they only want a rubber stamp when they're it's their policies that it's are their rubber stamp. Yeah, that, I don't disagree with any of that. I think that's the problem. I am concerned that if this doesn't get come out as as written in this draft. And it shouldn't. I mean, it shouldn't have. The draft is a draft. It's not the final version, but I think it's too late. Once it's out in public, it's the final version. Whether you call it the final version or not, it's the final version, or you're dealing with a lot of issues. I mean, can you can you imagine a MAGA hat-wearing person on the street going, yeah, I saw what they were writing, and it comes out 6-3? Nah, nope, nope, not, not trusting that. That's it. We've already lost faith in Congress. I think the presidency is on on the uh, low end on everything. I don't know that people think about the Supreme Court except when things like this happen. But you lost all three. What what's going to happen after that? How how long are people going to go? Yeah, I'm not paying my taxes. Come and get me, right? Yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, signed up for selective service as a teenage boy. Uh, come and get me. You know when. when when you when the rules break down because you don't want to follow the rules as a as a government, suddenly they break down for everybody, and you can't anticipate what that looks like. And I think that's my concern that as things keep spiraling, as Joe Biden is trying to uh, win votes in November by trying to cancel student debt, we've talked about that before. But he's trying to buy votes. Kid, kid, nobody about this. This is an effort to buy votes. Period. And the reality is it's going to burden us with additional debt that we didn't take on as a people. Individuals took on. I know people saying, hey, I'm kind of holding out, waiting for Biden to cancel my debt. I'm like, why? You took the debt. You took what you got for it. And you think somebody else should pay for it because college is too expensive. Don't go to college. It's pretty simple. Don't go there. Don't go to that $50,000 a year college if you can't afford to pay off the debt. That, it's very simple. And yet I'm supposed to pay it. You're supposed to pay it. And AOC tells us that's a good thing. Well, what point does somebody say, I'm working my butt off. Inflation's way higher than they're telling us, and it's already too high. I'm not going to get a raise that's even remotely going to touch that. Gas is $4.50 a gallon or more. I can't afford to take my family on vacation because I can't afford the gas to, to go anywhere. Food is, if it's there, it's too expensive. Restaurants are open sometimes, maybe not. Everything seems to be falling apart. And when Donald Trump left office in January of 2021, this is what the world looked like. And now we've got this. Well, it's all and Ukraine, Chad. You, yes, you need to understand Ukraine. it's all Ukraine. Putin's tax, tax plan. All, all that being said, 
the reality is we're dealing with a lot of things. I, I said it's like the 60s and 70s part two. The 60s were a time of turmoil and the 70s were a time of economic stagnation at best. And we're, we're, rad, we're being radical, radicalized and economically depressed at the same time. That's a recipe for disaster. You think people are upset over the election of 2020. You've just added fuel to the fire and you don't seem to grasp that. Chuck, Chuck Schumer, reap the whirlwind. Yes, you keep dumping gasoline on the American fire and telling me it's for my own good and telling me I don't understand what I'm doing and I need to take on more burdens as you sit there and tell me I'm an evil, Bible-toting, gun-loving uh, cracker sitting in the middle of nowhere, doesn't know anything. How do you think that's going to go over? Because the crackers have the guns. I'm sorry. That's the people with the guns, and you think that's going to work out well. I'm concerned for our country. Are you concerned? Maybe I'm the only one. No, I, don't I, want to- I am. Um, I guess there's there's simply no... It's constant doubling down on this, right? There, yeah. there, there is, there is nobody in a leadership position anywhere on the left uh, that seemingly has any willingness or even an ability to recognize that what we are doing here is continuing to, as you said, fan the flames. Because honestly, Chad, and again, I, I'm not generalizing about people, you know, the average person who's a member of the Democratic Party. But what I am saying is that. Pretty much anyone who's in a position of political leadership in that party right now, and anyone who is also, let's say, what you would consider to be a public intellectual who is a leading progressive, this is what they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are there. There is no conclusion other than they are intentionally fomenting this type of strife, uh, this type of kind of chaos. Uh, I mean, look. They've made no bones about the fact, this goes all the way back to the Obama administration, they want 7 and $8 a gallon gas. Okay, mm-hmm. They want that. That's a feature for them. Why? Because Gaia is dying, and so we need to immediately transition to our fantasy of windmills and solar panels, which is a complete lunatic fantasy. It will never, ever happen. Uh, I, but all of this, you know, so they want energy skyrocketing, uh, they need to gin up outrage constantly because that's how they get people to the polls. And of course, they're panicking right now because what is happening is if you look at the polling, for, particularly for Hispanics, uh, they are they are turning away from the Democratic Party in droves, largely because whatever this economic incentives are, the free stuff, right, is being outweighed by the fact that they see on their television screens every day this march of woke crazy everywhere and and generally culturally and even religiously latinos again this is a a broad generalization but as a demographic group they are not with the secular left on any of this stuff Mm -hmm. and so i think though what's happening here instead of the logical response chad the logical response to having policies that number one have produced economic misery and all manner of problems the logical response of someone who actually can still function rationally, uh, who's not really a zealot, would say, you know what? I guess that policy didn't work. We're going to have to try something else. But that's never, ever the response with the left. Because the left, they're not really focused on real-world outcomes of their policies. They already know. They're convinced 
right, of the outcome, because the moral arc of history bends towards our technocratic project. And so they're not interested in feedback from the real world. They're not interested in data. This is what you saw with COVID, right? You still have people, the so-called, uh, you know, the medical community still doubling down when they know there has been repeated studies showing that every one of their interventions was a disaster. The masks don't work. The vaccines, yes, they have some efficacy, but you can still get COVID. You can still transmit COVID. There's now a study out that's showing that the boosters, what are we on, the fourth booster, have yeah. almost no positive effect. They refuse to grapple with any of this. They mm -hmm. refuse to admit that was a bad policy. We need to think of a different policy. No, we're going to simply cram it down your throats yet again, only gooder and harder, as they say. And as they continue to do that, the, uh, the temperature in this country continues to rise because people are seeing that. And look, you're going to hear calls again, Chad, guaranteed from the, you know, the Oracle of Fauci come uh, August. There's, yeah. a new, there's a new variant. It's yeah. the Zyklon C variant. It's coming. And we need you to start going back into your panic shelters and triple masking, put on your biohazard suit, don't go to the polls. And, and at some and Chad, people are at the, the breaking point with this. They're not going to do it. They're simply well, not going to do it. Fauci's already said he expects 100 million infections in the fall. fall yeah. in the well, again, infections. infections, not deaths. Right. Infections. It's a, it is a widespread uh -huh. respiratory virus. It will uh -huh. be here now forever. Yeah. Everyone understood this. It's going to be a seasonal thing. Yes, there are going to be spikes in infections. We got to go on with our life. Yeah. But, but that's for them giving up way too much power. This little social experiment that they ran, Hey, look at what we can make the marionettes do when we just say it's an emergency. Uh -huh. Look what we can get away with. Let's see if we can make them not go to their summer house. Let's see if we can make them not grow vegetables. See, uh, I, I think this whole, the gas, the food, um, everything is designed specifically to make you dependent on the government and to reduce your mobility in doing so. If they control the means of transportation, why do you think they push public transportation all the time? Because they control it. Government controls public transportation. They don't control your car right now, uh, although they, they're trying to. Uh, if, they, if they control if you get food, then you're reduced on Maslow's hierarchy of need to needing food. And the only place you can get it is from the government. You can only get it because they have it. They control where it comes from. So if you can't fill up your car to go anywhere, then you're dependent on somebody else to provide you with your things. And maybe that works in a city because you can walk to some of those places. But if you live in, in a rural area, you've got a gun, so they don't want that. So they're going to – you you mark my words. They're going to start allowing you to trade in your gun for – something you need because they're going to make you desperate enough to need to do that and give up a gun or more. Now I, I'm not trying to advocate revelations here. I'm just saying I, the government under the democratic leadership is designed to make you dependent 100% on them and not on anybody else. And they can give and take away as they choose. And if you don't vote correctly, maybe you don't get what, what you need, right? Is that well, possible? That's, that's isn't that the concept of the you know it's the Chinese social credit system and yeah. and that is look they make no bones about the fact that they would love to implement that I mean, mm -hmm. there's I mean people that sounds hyperbolic but that's exactly what they want 
I mean, look at the, and we'll talk next time because, but you know, this whole, we didn't even talk about, um, who is it? The new Diana moon glampers for the department of Homeland security. And they're, I mean, you, you can't even, you can't even make this up. I mean, it's sort of like, Hey guys, you know, the, the Orwell thing, like that, that's not really a a feature, but it is for them. And so you've got this, I mean, this woman is bonkers. She's singing her, what is it? Her Mary Poppins song about, um, all of them, but so what? It, what they're about is yes, absolutely controlling information flow, finding all the bad people who don't think properly, and of course the assurance is, oh, we won't. Uh, no, that, that's not that's not going to be used in a heavy-handed way. No, of course we. Why would we believe the government would do that after what we've seen? Um, so maybe next time we'll talk about her. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, they they've basically decided the mask is fully off. Uh, Look, I also think that they're trying to sprint to the finish line here before mm-hmm. November because I think they recognize that, again, we'll, we'll see how the uh, freest and fairest elections in the world go in terms of – because they're going to push the mail-in balloting uh, sure. to, you know, to the nth degree. But I do think part of this is we got to cram through, jam through, enshrine everything that we can before uh, we possibly have to leave and you know, take the China. Well, he, Biden's going to do his debt cancellation – which there's no constitutionality for it, regardless of what he keeps trying to tell you. There's some constitutionality for a certain amount, which I'm not sure how he comes up with a number when it's not constitutional in the first place. And then that's going to happen right before the election in November, I, I would guess. You know right what, though, Chad? Right. I think that is a huge miscalculation because, of course, the only reason he's doing it, as you alluded to, is for political gain. Sure. And I actually think that that is going to completely blow up in their face. The the level of outrage about that, you know, in other words, whatever their core constituency that's cheering for, yay, free free stuff for me, it is, first of all, as you said, it is such a usurpation of any any legitimate authority. Uh, but moreover, there, there are many tens of millions of people in the country if he attempts that. I, I think that that is going to, I, I almost, I dare him. Right. It's kind of like, I dare you to do that. Go ahead. I actually don't want it to, I don't want to dare him because I don't want it to even have to be adjudicated in any process because I, when it goes to the court system, I have no idea. I can say it's unconstitutional. Every constitutional scholar can say it's unconstitutional. I don't know what the judges will rule. I really, I have no confidence in that. So I really don't want to, to get oh, to that. Oh, we already know. There's going to be a certain number of them, particularly when they judge shop, that will say, oh, it's perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, it makes yes, sense. This is within, he has a pen and a phone, right? Yeah, um, but I, I, I also caution people in November, you, you kind of alluded to it. If you see an outsized number of ballots cast for a midterm election, you should be very concerned about the outcome. Because if we had hundred and 60 million votes cast or so, uh, a little less than that, for the 2020 presidential election, and you see anything outsized for any state where there's Senate races or House races, you should be extremely concerned because that is a statistical anomaly, and those better be explainable. And I don't. I think the they Democrats are the risk of overplaying their hand and whatever they do with these mail-in ballots because – First of all, I don't believe the 2020 election with the mail-in ballot side of things was legit. Now, you can't prove it. I can't. I have no proof. I can't do anything about it. Uh, and recounting those votes isn't going to change that. I do believe there will be fraud on wide scale in 2022 in the November elections. I believe of course, there, of course there will be. And, you know, oh, Chad and Tony, 
Charlie Tony, Tony tinfoil hat conspiracy. Look, there has been a consensus for anyone that studies voting, voting security, and this is on both sides of the aisle until, of course, it became impossible to speak the truth about this, which is mail-in balloting, mass mail balloting, where you have unpurged voter rolls, you have no signature match, you have more than same-day voting. It is the most insecure process. It is the fraud. Yep. So I don't need to talk about voting machines and you know all of these other wacky theories that they like to basically caricature. Um, no, no. Mass mail balloting, if it's allowed in the way that it was conducted in 2020, it is fraudulent inherently. And why? Because it, it offers so many opportunities for cheating because you simply have no way of tracking this. We've talked about this. So as long as those systems remain in place, uh, on on a nationwide election, there will be fraud ongoing all the time. It's just unquestionable. Yeah. Um, I, this just came over, and I didn't see this this morning, on CNN's New Day, Laura Jarrett, daughter of former top Obama advisor Valerie Jarrett, um, made the claim, I think for a lot of people, a conversation about civility feels like it misses the mark when constitutional rights that you believe you had for over 50 years are about to be overturned, uh, supporting the protests in front of the justices' houses. She said the justices have security. Yeah, well, you know what? I, that could have come out of the mouth of uh, a Plessy versus Ferguson supporter. Well, that's the, that's the whole thing for me from a precedent standpoint. That The left says it's settled as, when we get our result, <laughs> and everything gets overturned as soon as we can get it. Right. If, if you didn't believe that precedent could be overturned, then Dred Scott and Plessy versus Ferguson would never have been overturned. It would never right. have been. Well, and of course, again, so in the modern era, you know, uh, what has been, uh, what settled laws are Bergefell and Roe, uh, what are clearly not settled and should immediately be reversed are Heller and Citizens United, right? So, yes, it's simply the minute that they get an outcome in a case that they care about, it's over. It's the stone tablets have been etched. We're done. Yep. Yep. And I think that's, I'm very concerned about November. I'm very concerned about where things are going. I think this summer, I hope there's not a heat wave, a supreme heat wave, because I think that's going to push a lot of people over the edge and we could see a lot more violence a la 2021 or 2020 some, uh, summer in, uh, after Minneapolis. I certainly I certainly hope not, but I fear that you are correct. And I fear, I don't even fear, I know that that is actually a tactic that they will pursue uh, yep. because they've done it before. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, you saw the uh, pro-life with Wisconsin pro-life place was burned by Antifa or at least signed by Antifa um, over the weekend. That's more of the same to come. I, I believe, I believe they've been empowered feature uh, to coming attractions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's my concern. I, I will be praying for our country because I think we, we desperately need prayer. Uh, but I really, I believe we're in a world of hurt and it's not getting any better. And I don't think our leadership is trying to make it better. I think they're trying to make it worse. And that's the concern. I don't know that I would say in the history of our country on a large scale basis that the government was purposely trying to cause issues. I do believe the Biden administration is trying to foment anger and division. And that's even Obama, who I think was the divider in chief. I think it's worse. And we've got a Biden news clueless we got kamala harris who can't string together sentences and we've got nancy pelosi in the house and what, i don't what do you chad what do you mean space connects us 
Well, that, if you want to talk about <laughs> a classic together, <laughs> we, we should talk about Kamala next time too, because that's a, that's just an untapped vein of high comedy. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. These are, I was told the adults are back in charge. If this is what adulting looks like, I don't want adults in charge because I believe this is insane. The incoming, the incoming White House press secretary is married to a reporter from, is it MSNBC or CNN? Yeah, well. I'm sure that won't be a problem. I'm sure there's no conflict of interest whatsoever there, right? I mean. Well, you know what? Again, I, I prefer it's out in the open. Though, look, it, it, it's they're a propagandist, so that's fine. I mean, sure. let's let's stop pretending that they shouldn't be married to someone from MSNBC or literally uh, the, you know, the head of the Democratic Party. What does it matter? Yes, yes. It's so we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I, I, prayer is the only thing I can my solution to find out to fix anything and I, you know, get on your knees because we need it. Definitely. Next week, next time, not next week. We uh we don't generally manage to do this on a weekly <laughs> basis. We need to talk about Kamala. We need to talk about uh Elon because uh, oh. that's fascinating. And perhaps <laughs> we need to talk about Disney because I'm I'm oh. greatly enjoying that as well. Okay. Well yeah I think Disney got their hand uh kicked in and they're they're not sure what to do with that. But uh yeah we can it, barring some other issue popping up, I have no problem talking about all three of those issues. Uh, uh, I am infinitely fascinated by Elon, and I don't think Elon's a conservative in any way, shape, or form. He's no, he has certain he has certain conservative instincts. Um, he's a businessman. He wants to make money too. Well, he's a businessman. <laughs> I think he's sort of a libertarian. I, yeah. I don't. There's a lot of things I don't agree with him on. He's sure. sort of a COVID fanatic. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I am greatly enjoying the, uh, oh, that, the know, outrage is making me happy. The hive mind messaging machine, uh, having been purchased by an interloper. And now, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I imagine that the word has gone out. You must sell your Tesla, right? Because <laughs> exactly. Elon is now, Elon is now the new Hitler. Get rid of your <laughs> Tesla. Is it the irony that the people gnashing and wailing funded his ability to buy Twitter that they're gnashing and wailing against because they bought Tesla's? Because yes. they're trying to save the planet and buy the, the cool car. They're the reason he was able to buy Twitter. Know. How, how galling awesome. must that be? That's got to – that just feels great to me. I, I mean I, I will, I'll put on this show. We do, we do put a Twitter feeds. We have Twitter feeds for the show. We do? I wasn't, I, I wasn't aware of that. All, all, all it does is announces the new show. I, I, don't, I see. don't do anything with it. Um, if it went away tomorrow – that would be fine with me. It would, it would not impact me in the slightest. I don't check Twitter on a regular basis. Once in a while, I'll see something come through on a news article and I'll, I'll look at it because you have to log in. But I, it, it, much like Facebook, if it went away tomorrow, it would not affect my life in the slightest. And I'm sincere about that. You could take them both off tomorrow and nothing would change for me. Absolutely nothing. And I'm, I'm, in, who, I'm in a similar, similar boat. It, the people who are, going crazy are the people who want more, they call it curation. They want more, more, uh, attempts to quiet people they don't like. Um, and I'm not a fan of that. So either you get everything or you get nothing. Um, I don't think there's an in between. Um, as long as the laws aren't violated, uh, maybe I'm libertarian in that respect. I don't think you shut it down, but we can talk about that at further length. Uh, but those, those are good, three good topics. And I think they'd be, well worth the listen uh, if you're out there listening. 
So anything else you want to talk about tonight? No, I think we've, uh, we've done quite enough as usual. Okay. So I want to thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.